Good evening, and Dave, thank you so much for, for reading that passage for us. Um, if we haven't met, my name is Jamie Mulvaney. I'm an associate minister here. It's great to see you tonight. So, we've just heard the next stops on the journey through Matthew 15, uh, this account of Jesus, not particularly politically correct uh, interaction with a Canaanite woman and uh, the feeding of the 4,000, uh, his lesser known of the feeding of the multitudes. And uh, tonight, I want to speak about real faith, real faith. Hebrews tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So it's pretty fundamental. It's something that I want to aspire to, that we should aspire to. And last week, I spoke on real religion. And that was, we were talking about how we, we cut the frills, and at the end of the day, it's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not religion, but relationship with Jesus. And this is not about the strength of our faith, but it's about the, the object of our faith. If I put my faith uh, in Bitcoin or an unsolicited text pretending to be the Royal Mail, or perhaps certain politicians, and then I can have very strong faith, strong faith, but perhaps misguided faith. But faith in Jesus Christ, well, that's a very, very different matter altogether. So with that settled, with the knowledge that faith in Jesus Christ is about a relationship with him, what might real faith look like for you and me? Not as some disembodied concept or principle, but in this dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a lot that I notice in these uh, two accounts of Jesus in Matthew chapter 15. And the first is this. It's that Jesus, he meets you in your need. Jesus meets you in your need. And we see this firstly by what the woman says in verse 22. She says, have mercy on me. And then in verse 25, help me. Jesus, he meets her right there in the middle of her need. And you notice that she says, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. A Gentile, a Canaanite woman, using the, the messianic term for Jesus Christ. She knows that she needs a savior. Even though she's not an Israelite, she wants in. And then we, we also see what Jesus says uh, himself in uh, verse 32. We read that Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. So sort of disciples, gather in. I have something to tell you. I have compassion for these people. And note here that Jesus, he is not a slacktivist. He doesn't have compassion for X, Y, and Z so much so he's going to post about it on Instagram. No, he has compassion that compels him to act in the real world with real people. And he says, I have compassion. I see these people need. Therefore, I'm going to feed them. This is love. This is divine love. That Jesus, he, he meets you and he meets me. He, he meets you in your need because he loves you. We read in verse 30 that great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. They can't even 
get themselves to Jesus Christ. They have to be brought to him by others. They cannot earn their way. And this is how we receive faith. We receive it. That faith is not based on effort, but faith is a gift. It's a gift. Thank you for saving me. And we haven't, uh, Louisa and I, we haven't managed uh, to, uh, to teach Rupert to say thank you yet. After all, he's only 11 weeks old. Um, but as parents, for us, it is all give, give, give. And for Rupert, it is all receive, receive, receive. He is completely at our mercy. And there is a cost. There's definitely a cost. But boy, is the cost worth it. And for Jesus, too, there is a cost. But Jesus, he is moved by mercy. So don't be bashful. Nobody gets any points for being well put together, for being cool, calm, and collected. This woman, she begs for mercy. And I can tell you that when Rupert wants something, we know. Boy, do uh, we know. He is unashamed, and we love him for it. And Jesus, he loves it. He loves it when you show your need, because he loves you. Rupert, he is all receive, receive, receive. Faith is a gift. It's, it's not something that we earn. And, and when we start to earn from Jesus... To, to, sorry, to receive from Jesus. When we, when we begin to receive from Jesus, we don't receive in small amounts. And that's the second thing that I noticed from this, this passage, is that Jesus' mercy is not measly. Jesus' mercy is not measly. Jesus is not a miser. He is the Messiah. And uh, Jesus, he is merciful. He gives that which we don't deserve. And we see uh, in the first part of our passage, we see there's talk about crumbs. And then in our, the second part of our passage, we see a whole abundance of bread. Whatever else may be going on in the world today, Jesus, he does not have a supply chain issue. I find it odd that in verse uh, 33 that we see his disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Now, the feeding of the 5,000 was not that long ago, and Jesus, we can see here, he's just been healing people. You know, come on, disciples, have you not been paying attention? You seem to have the attention span of a goldfish. How fitting for Remembrance Sunday. I remember uh, getting the nudge from God uh, to work for the church um, uh, when I was, I was exploring the whole area of ordination. And uh, I was in a foreign country, and I had nowhere to, to fall back on. And I remember uh, sofa surfing at various, at various friends' houses, and um, frankly, overstaying my welcome. And I, I had this conundrum. I had this, this, this challenge. Because on the one hand, I really did sense that God was, was telling me to, to explore what it meant to, to work for the church, to work for the church, and to explore ordination. But on the other hand, I had this reality that that was financially crazy. And um, so I remember at the time a, a, a friend telling me, and this, this is someone who, who has a particular gift of faith, of just speaking the future into people's lives. And uh, she said to me, Jamie, God is always going to provide places for you to live. And uh, so at the time, I, I went off on this weekend. Uh, it was a, called a vocations weekend. It was sort of to do with exploring the, the call of God. And, I, you know, I guess for me, it was a small step of faith. And I had this uh, conversation with a bishop 
and uh, we just chatted at the bar for about 10 minutes. And then I got an email from him a, a few days later. Uh, the next weekend, we, we had a meeting, and uh, he met with me, and he said, Jamie, I had this crazy idea that maybe you might come and be my intern and come and work for me. And uh, I've also had this other crazy idea. I've been chatting with my wife, and um, we have a self-contained flat in our house. Uh, and we wondered whether you might want to come and live in our bishop's palace. <laughs> if Jesus is not miserly, if Jesus does not give out measly amounts, I wonder what are your expectations for the coming year? So what is it that you need? This woman, she has need. She has need for mercy. But she does not have a, a scarcity mentality like the disciples do. She knows exactly what she wants, precisely. She has a daughter that needs to be healed and set free. And so she goes to Jesus with her need. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? What is it that you want God to do for you? Expect great things from God. But the flip side is also true, isn't it? That, that God expects great things from you, too, which is the third thing that I notice. Because ultimately, God, he is not interested in stuff and things. He is interested in you and me. He is interested in you and me having an abundant life. Living your life small is not Christianity. John F. Kennedy said, for, those, for of those to whom much is given, much is required. JFK did say that, but at the time he was quoting Jesus Christ. And Jesus, he gives us this, this gift of faith, this gift of a relationship with him. So I wonder, what are we going to do with this gift that we receive? In verse 34, Jesus, he asks the disciples, how many loaves do you have? What do you have? Seven loaves? Perhaps a few small fish? No, you don't. You have all the riches of Jesus Christ. On Thursday, it was announced that uh, in, the, in the graduate job market at the moment, that for every graduate job going, there were 91 applicants. 91 applicants for each and every graduate job. It's the highest uh, amount that they've had on record. Now, Jesus, he is a bit like a good manager. He uh, says, well, you've got the job, you've got the job, but I'm going to give you tasks that are beyond your capacity and beyond what you think that you can do because I believe in you. I believe that you can do it. You're going to feel out of your depth but it's going to be exciting, and you're going to grow as a result. You thought that faith was about you believing in Jesus Christ, but it's also about Jesus believing in you. Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and that grace has not been given to me in vain. Jesus says, you will do even greater works than me. Jesus, he sees beyond physical appearances. He sees what we can do beyond physical appearances. And Jesus, he does not want to just keep your faith small. 
And, and he's going to demand greater faith from you and me than we thought that we had. And so if you're feeling lacking in faith, call out to him, and he will give you the faith that you don't have. Being a, a, a Christian does not mean that it's all going to be plain sailing from here on in. Very frequently, I feel out of my depth. Very frequently, I think, I've not come across this one before. I feel out of my comfort zone. But Jesus is interested in me growing. He is interested in you growing and growing your faith in him. And God, he will use your circumstances to grow your character. It's interesting that faith in the Bible is described as, as both um, a gift and a fruit. And the Holy Spirit, he, he grows faith in you as he grows you as a person. And what he wants to do is to, is to stretch your faith in him, to, to, to stretch you, that this faith is something that grows you, that Jesus grows you. When life is easy, when life is plain sailing, life can often just sort of feel a bit, a bit flat. But Jesus, he doesn't call us to a 2D life. He calls us to a 3D life or a 4D life or, or something to do with quantum physics. Maybe the, the, the metaverse, I don't know what. But, but what he wants to grow us to is, is something much, much more than the physical appearance of, of what you can see around you. Because there's this spiritual reality behind everything that is going on. And it's like you've begun your, your phone contract with a Nokia 3310. And, uh, but then there's, well, there's 3G technology that appears, and then 4G, then 5G, and then Zuckerberg and his metaverse. Now, at each point along the way, uh, you've got to grow, and you've got to keep discovering new technologies, new capabilities. We have to grow with the technology that we keep discovering. And the more that we get to know about God, the more there is to know we discover that there is always more for us to know about God. And God, he is the designer of human connection. And he wants to keep revealing himself to you, showing himself to you more and more and more and more detail about his character and what he can do. But you and I, we may see things today that we wouldn't have seen six months ago. We wouldn't have seen a year ago. Now, at first, our child, Rupert, he could only see about that far in front of him. Now, when I enter the room, he can see me. And as cute as he is, I want Rupert to develop and grow. And faith is about a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. And he wants you and me to grow. C.S. Lewis said this, You thought that you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. That growth is, is not just for us, though. It's not just for our own character, which is, is the fourth thing that I want to talk about, is that faith is not a possession, but it's a gift, as I was saying earlier. It's a gift. So give what you're getting. Give what you're getting. Faith is a gift. It's a gift, and you receive that gift. And yes, faith is personal, but it is not private. You know, we tend to think of faith as being a vertical thing, something that's between uh, me and God. But there's also a horizontal reality to our faith too. It's why when we baptize people, 
here at HDC. We do it as the whole church gathered together. This is not a private thing. Baptism is not a private thing. It's the whole church together. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. What do we see in this passage? We see in verse 36 that Jesus, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them. He gave it to the, the, to the disciples, and they, in turn, to the people. So what we need to do is we need to have open hands. We need to have open hands that are ready to receive from God, but also open hands that are constantly willing to just give away, give, give, give away what we are daily receiving from God. You know, for me here tonight, speaking to you is an act of faith. When I sit down to, to write a talk, I don't think, now let me tell HDC Jamie Mulvaney's bright and brilliant ideas. Now I, I sit down and I ask God, God, what is it that you want me to give to the lovely people at HDC? And then the life of faith, it will mean that very often you're needing to cry out to God for his help, for his mercy. Perhaps I should give these disciples a break. You know, they, they show their need because they need Jesus to act, to do what he's asking them to do. Mother Teresa uh, once said that she didn't think that, she couldn't imagine doing her work without praying every 30 minutes. I, I, I'm so challenged by that. You know, if, I, if, if I'm not crying out to God every 30 minutes, then what does that mean? If, 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 if we're not crying out to God for every 30 minutes, then, then perhaps we need a new challenge. Perhaps we need to get involved in doing something that God actually wants doing, rather than something that doesn't require God's power, doesn't require God's capabilities. Or perhaps we just need to do the, the same thing, but in a new way, and ask God to, to be part of it. Where might we begin with that? Where could we begin with that? Well, firstly, we can begin doing that by inviting people to come and see. We see in verse 30, people brought others to Jesus and laid them at Jesus' feet. The people bringing all those, all those people that needed healing, that must have required quite a bit of faith on their part. You know, telling people about our Christmas services at HDC, it's probably the most easy invite in the world I could think of right now. And we see here, we see people being amazed, people being, people being amazed by Jesus Christ, people being satisfied by Jesus Christ. We want to give our friends, our family, our colleagues the possibility of being amazed by Jesus, being wowed by him, and being satisfied by him, filling the deepest parts of their soul this Christmas time. So we, we invite people to come and see, but we also take Jesus to people ourselves. You and I, when we go out about our day, we do not go about with lack, but you and I, we take all the riches of Jesus Christ with us. And it's simply asking Jesus, what do you want me to give away today? Who do you want me to give to? We, we get from Jesus with open hands and we give to others. This is a dynamic relationship of listening to Jesus and Jesus, he will often tell you to do something surprising. 
He will tell us to do surprising things, and he will also tell us to reach surprising people. And that's what Jesus' mysterious, strange dialogue with the Canaanite woman is all about. What he's doing is he's, he's exposing the, the disciples' prejudices and their bigotries towards people that come from Cana, from the enemy. And then we see here, we see the, the healing and feeding of the 4,000, of, of Gentile people. I was speaking this morning at our Remembrance Sunday service about how Jesus, how he breaks down borders, not just geographical borders, physical borders, but also the way that we treat other people, the way that we think about other people, and ultimately, too, the way that he breaks down the borders to our hearts and the way that we treat God. But faith means in this horizontal aspect as well as the the vertical aspect that that we can believe the best for others to hope for the best for others i wonder if you've ever heard anyone saying about someone in a particular situation well god he would have to do a pretty major work in that person's life it's possibly the most stupid thing i've ever heard have you not heard about the resurrection have you not seen what god can do what god can do in an instant which is what we see Jesus doing for this woman, for her daughter, in verse 28. In an instant, he heals her. He sets her free. So don't give up praying for people. What we see in verse 28 is it only takes a moment for God to act. Faith means that God, he is always there for us, even when we doubt him. The question for us tonight is, will we be there for others? It's a good question for us individually. It's a good question for us collectively as a church as well. At HDC, we speak about, as part of our vision, having deep roots in Jesus, of having wide shoots, far wider than we could have imagined, that bear abundant fruit for Jesus Christ. And this is what happens when you live with Jesus, when you have deep, 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 deep roots in Jesus Christ. The, the, the Jesus, the same Jesus, who he takes seven loaves of bread and he breaks them, handing them over to the disciples. And what we see is that seven baskets full of bread come back. Now, seven being the, the number of perfection, being the number of completion in the Bible. And Jesus, he is perfection. Jesus, he is completion. He is the giver of our faith. He is also the object of our faith. Jesus, he is the faithful one. With Jesus, there is always more than enough. And so you and me, we can receive faith. We can have that faith stretched. We can grow our faith. We can give our faith away. And you and and I, we will still have enough Yes, we may have our doubts, just like the disciples. Yes, at times we may think that God is silent, just like this Canaanite woman. But Jesus, he doesn't just break bread for us. His body was broken for us. And so there is never any need to doubt Jesus' love for you and Jesus' love for every person that you meet. 
Jesus. He is our statement of faith. Christ crucified, Christ risen again. Historical facts. No leap of faith required. Jesus, he is the real deal. And he is really with you today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you like to stand?